and amen. You may be seated this morning. I know that it seems like it's customary to preach a holiday message before the holiday. But you know, as well as I do, that I am anything other than the norm. It's okay to say amen. I wouldn't be offended. I like to be different. I like to be unusual. We're called to be different, amen? But as I was turning my attention to this morning's message, I felt compelled of the Lord to preach a Thanksgiving message today instead of next Sunday, even though it's the Sunday before Thanksgiving, because I felt like maybe, just maybe, perhaps the Lord wanted us to have some additional time to be thankful before the holiday gets here. And I pray today that this word challenges you as it's challenged my heart today. And I'm going to take just a few moments to lay some groundwork here before we get started. But I believe the Lord is going to truly speak to our heart today. If you look at the word Thanksgiving, and, and, and I just did this simple Google search. You know, if you don't know anything, ask Google. Google to tell you what you want to know. If you just search the two words define thanksgiving, I found the definition interesting. The very first definition says, the expression of gratitude, especially to God. Maybe Google's gotten saved, I don't know. But I just found it interesting that it put in there especially to God. So then I went and I looked up the word gratitude, and it's the quality of being thankful. The readiness to show appreciation for and even to return kindness. So when we think about gratitude and we think about thanksgiving, I think it's important that we understand that we can do nothing in and of our own selves. We must be thankful to God. I want to read an excerpt of an article that was written in Christianity Today. I'm not going to read the entire article, but just, just a short excerpt from it. It says, for Christians, of course, gratitude should begin and end with our thankfulness to God. And yet many of us do not experience this with the kind of frequency, intensity, and durability that seem appropriate given how extraordinary God's benefits are. Why do we struggle to be consistently grateful to God? Now let me just pause right here and tell you that the word that stood out to me here is the word consistently. We are grateful sporadically, but seldom consistently. You know, if you're praying for a major breakthrough or a major miracle and it comes to pass, you're grateful for that. 
But how, when was the last time you woke up in the morning and your feet hit the floor and you say, thank you for today, Lord. Thank you that I woke up this morning and I'm in my right mind. Why do we struggle to be consistently grateful to God? Even when we believe, or at least say we believe, that God is our ultimate and incomparable benefactor. The writer goes on to say this, Our problem is inattention. We may know in an abstract sense that God is the greatest giver, but until we start paying attention to where God's gifts show up, we're not likely to experience gratitude. Another issue is resentment. We know God is often good to us, but we're also mad when God doesn't give us what we want. So we withhold our gratitude. Wow. Paying more attention and dealing with our resentment are crucial if we are going to grow in our gratitude toward God. But even when we are trying to be attentive, and even when we are not angry at God, it can still be difficult to live in a posture of consistent gratitude. Can I just be honest with you? That's all the article I'm going to read. It's a great article. I advise you to look it up and read it. It will, it will help you. But let me just pause right here and say this. One reason why I think we struggle with being consistently grateful and thankful is because we feel like certain things are owed to us. Entitlement. Right? I'm entitled to this or I'm owed this or I expect to receive this. When the truth of the matter is, that proves to us that our vision is more horizontal than it is vertical. Now, if you struggle with those two words like I once did, horizontal means you're looking like this. Vertical means you're looking up. But the reality of it is, our life should not be a life of conditional gratitude. And our life should not be a life of conditional thanksgiving. But our life should be one that is constant thankfulness and constant gratitude. Not toward anything or anyone else except God. Because it is from God that all good things come to His people. It doesn't matter if somebody walks up to you today and hands you a $100 bill. You can thank them, but you better thank God that He moved on them to bless you. Because that's where it come from. Now, I'm going to get to the text in a little bit. But I need to talk to you about some, something that I read that challenged me. And I, I begin to do some comparison here. There was a church in Uganda that was built just about head high, head tall. So it wasn't a nice building like we're in today where we have this cathedral ceiling. It was just barely tall enough for you to walk in without hitting your head. The church that meets there is made up of people from the surrounding villages. The church is located in the middle of a sugar cane field. The men make about a dollar a day cutting sugar cane from sunup to sundown. A dollar a day. It is a place 
where disease is running rampant. And in spite of all this, they show up to celebrate and give thanks to the Lord. There's another church in Nairobi that is called the Pipeline. This is not a clean place. The church was once built in its infancy out of ten. Now they have a strong concrete building. It's a church that now also serves as an orphanage. The two, there's two adults, the pastor and his wife, who serve there, who will become mama and daddy to 60 orphan children diseased with AIDS. In addition to their own biological children. The children live in a room that's about 14 by 30. Now you think in your mind, oh, that's a large room. That's not their bedroom. That's their entire living capacity. The children come from backgrounds that we wouldn't even want to talk about. The pastor and his family live in ways you and I don't even want to consider. But they celebrate and give thanks to the Lord. They still pause and thank God for what they have. From our point of view, we wonder, what do they have to be thankful for? Because we would compare their situation to our situation and their living conditions to our living conditions and their worship conditions to our worship conditions and we would ask, what do they have to be thankful for? The reality of it is, they have very few, if any, material possessions at all. Everybody seems to be sick. It's just a matter of the degree of sickness that they have. They live in conditions that will probably never improve. The countries they live in are corrupt and most of the people are oppressed. Every single day is a huge struggle just to survive. We wonder, what do they have to be thankful for? Let's talk about us. We have our own struggles too. Our economy is tanking. Inflation is through the roof. Some of our jobs are questionable. There's more bills than there are money. The future is uncertain. And some even say our country is in the worst shape it's ever been in before. It's pretty much evident that we are not in a good situation in America. So... We feel like we have a pretty good handle on reality. Perhaps even better than those in Africa that I talked about. The question becomes this, don't they know the economy is bad? Don't they know the world is on the brink of a meltdown? If you're not paying attention to what's going on with Israel, you might ought to get involved in what's going on. Don't they know that they have very little to be thankful for? When we look at the life that I described for those in Africa compared to what we have, we would say they don't have much to be thankful for. 
Actually, I'm of the opinion that perhaps they have a better grip on things than we do. You see, despite their circumstances, they give thanks to God. In their poverty, they praise the Lord. Even when the average longevity of life is only 47 years of age in Uganda and 53 in Kenya, they still shout to God. They are full of thanksgiving. They are full of a grateful heart. Meanwhile, we live uncertainly. Because of our circumstances, we question God. In our riches, we wonder why God doesn't give us more. With our average lifespan reaching 80 years, we can't understand why God won't always give us good health. We live or we have a hard time finding reasons to be thankful to God. So how can they be thankful with what little they have in their dilapidated living conditions, their diseased, riddled bodies, their lack of resources, their lack of money, how can they be so thankful? And on the other hand, we have the nice building to worship in, three and four bedroom homes to live in, air condition and heating at our disposal, running water with no problem with the turn of a faucet, money in the bank, gas in the car. We don't have to walk where we go. We have an automobile, but yet we struggle with consistent gratitude. What? is the difference. The difference, in my opinion, seems to be that we put more stock in our resources than we do the resource giver. They don't know anything else but to trust God. We've placed too much trust in the fact that I'm going because I got gas in the car. We put too much trust in the fact that I'm going to be warm tonight because I've got a heater in the house. But when the heater don't kick on, we gripe, we grumble, we complain because we got to call the man to come fix the heater. Listen, I'm going somewhere. He fixes the heater. We get the invoice, and it costs us $2,500. We gripe, we grumble, we complain because we got to pay him $2,500 so we can have heat. But did we pause to say, Lord, I thank you that I had the money to pay for the heater to be fixed. Lord, I thank you that this man was willing to stop what he was doing and come work on my heater. Through these articles that I've read and through this today, I feel like I have developed a fundamental difference between their idea of Thanksgiving and ours. And it's a very profound difference. These differences in Thanksgiving are foundations to how we view God in every aspect of life. And here's where our difference in the idea of Thanksgiving comes in. 
we seem to be thankful to God for what He does. We seem to be thankful to God for what He's able to do. And what He blesses us with. And what He sends our way. And the blessings He bestows upon us. Whereas those that I talked about in Africa seem to just simply be thankful to God for who He is. You see, God is God no matter whether He blesses us or whether He doesn't. He's still God. God is God whether he heals me or not. He's still God. God is God whether he provides for my need right now or not. He's still God. It doesn't matter whether we get what we want, whether we get what we ask for. God is still God and that settles it for my gratitude and my heart of thanksgiving. I don't worship him because he blessed me with a home. I don't worship him because he blessed me with a car. I don't worship him because he blessed me with a job. I worship him because he is God and he is God alone. And beside him, there is no other. That's why I worship him. I'll quote a pastor I had several years ago. As a young boy, it doesn't matter whether you live in a mud hut or a king's palace. He's still God, and he's still worthy of our praise. See, we have our vision has become clouded and skewed. Our thanksgiving in America seems to be conditional. It seems we are only thankful for when we get what we want. Gimme, gimme, gimme. It, I talked about it in a moment. It's a sense of entitlement. It's a sense of what's owed to me. It's a sense of when I get what I want, I'll be thankful. Help us, Lord. When I get it my way... Then I'll go to the church and get my worship on. When everything's just the way I want it to be, that's when I'm going to praise Him. Mm. But the reality of it is, our thankfulness should not be conditional. It should simply be directed to God, not for what He does, but for who He is. When we begin to worship God for who He is, He'll do more for us. When we understand that if salvation is all we ever get from God and He doesn't do anything else for us, that's enough. That is enough. It doesn't matter if you slept in a tent last night. It doesn't matter if you sleep under an overpass and that's happening right here in this city. The reality of it is we should still be thankful to God that I woke up this morning with air in my lungs that I can open my mouth and give God a shout of praise. Their thanksgiving is unconditional. They are thankful because the Lord is God. They are thankful because they belong to the God of all creation. 
When's the last time you just said, Lord, I... Lord, I'm just overwhelmed with gratitude that you're the God of the universe. You opened your mouth and you spoke and everything appeared. And you're my father and I'm your child. And I'm just thankful for that. So how do we make a change in our thanksgiving this holiday season? How can we move from conditional praise to unconditional thanksgiving? Let's look at the text we read. Shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Now let me pause right here and just simply say this. That's not a suggestion. That is not multiple choice. That's a command. A preacher, you don't understand. I woke up with a headache. I woke up with a backache. I woke up with a knee problem. I woke up with a me problem. I slid that one in there. Y'all didn't catch that. I got this going on in my life and I got that going on. He didn't say shout when everything's perfect. He said shout joyfully unto the Lord all the earth. Whether you woke up in the tent or the mud hut or whether you woke up in a warm house, open your mouth and shout joyfully. Shout joyfully. All the earth. You see, those I talked to you about in Africa are given the same command in Scripture that you and I are given. It's the same word to, the, to, to everybody. Preacher, you don't understand. God does. And God said, in spite of that, I want you to shout joyfully. My joy and my shout is not conditioned upon how I feel. It's conditioned upon who He is. And when you understand that He sits high on the throne of heaven and He looks down and He constantly making provision for us, He's God. He's aware. <laughs> and He still said, shout joyfully. Serve the Lord with gladness. Put a smile on your face in spite of what you're going through. I've had a rough day, but I'm smiling because I serve God. I felt a streak of glory hit me right there. I'm reminded of the story of the man who went down to the altar. And he was praying... And he was crying what we would today describe as one of those ugly cries. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about your face is all disconfigured and discontorted and it's just ugly crying. You know, if it was a woman, mascara would be running to her knees. You know, that kind of that ugly crying. But he had this expression on his face. And the young boy asked his mama. He said, Mama, what's wrong with that man up there? Now listen, from the mouth of a child, what's the matter with that man up there? And she said, oh, nothing, honey. He's great. He's just praying. He's just, he's, just, he's just, you know, enjoying his time with the Lord. And the little boy said, Mama, he don't look like he's enjoying it. I don't think I want any part of that. Now, that's comical. And we don't know what the man was going through. But the reality of it is, whatever you're going through, put a smile on your face. To quote my pastor I, I quoted earlier, put a smile on your face. The double can't rub off with a brick bat. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. So what if it didn't work out your way this time? So what if you didn't get it your way this time? Serve the Lord with gladness. So what if the dog bit you this morning? Serve the Lord with gladness. So what if your best friend just betrayed you? Serve the Lord with gladness. So what if they turned your lights off because you came up a little short? Serve the Lord with gladness. So what? So what? So what? Serve the Lord with gladness. Let him know you're thankful. That you're to be his child. I didn't feel good in my body. Serve the Lord with gladness. Hello somebody. It's not conditional. It's unconditional. Oh let me just pause right here. That second verse. Serve the Lord with gladness. It didn't say if you want to. It's not a suggestion. Again it's a command. Come before him with joyful singing. Joyful singing. Sometimes I sing joyfully. But I do it, you know, I always say people need to know where their calling's at. I preach because that's what the Lord called me to do. I don't get up here and sing for you because that ain't what the Lord called me to do. If you ever hear me sing, you'll understand why God called me to preach. I don't do it very well, but I do it a whole lot better than I do singing, brother. But I don't sing for your ears. I sing for his ears. So you may find me off by myself singing joyfully. Because I don't want you to hear it. Because it's not for your ears. I have found that my singing puts my kids to sleep. Much like my preaching does you. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. It's okay to laugh. I will rock my, well I don't rock my older two anymore. But I rock the baby. But I did rock the other two. And I would sing to them while I was rocking them. You're on thin ice. (laughs) The reality of it is, they were so young they didn't know if it was good, bad, or indifferent. And now I've noticed when I rock the baby and I'm singing to her, everybody leaves the living room. I've, I've about got that figured out now, I think. But what I'm trying to tell you is, it doesn't matter whether you sound like the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir or whether you sound like Pastor Bounds when you sing. Get off somewhere by yourself, open your mouth, and just sing unto the Lord. Some of the best worship experiences I've ever had has been when I have just sung unto the Lord. I wasn't trying to let nobody else hear me. I wasn't trying to be pleasing to anybody. It was just me and God. I sounded terrible, but God loved it. (laughs) Isn't it beautiful? By the way, that's not a suggestion either. It's not a suggestion either. Come before him with joyful singing. Know that the Lord himself is God. 
know that the Lord Himself is God. You can only know Him when you engage Him. You can only find out who He is when you have a relationship with Him. I'm going to talk to you about my wife. Somebody keep score right here. See how well I do. When I saw her, I thought she was beautiful. And I thought, I got to get her phone number. We started talking. We started dating. But it wasn't until I spent some time around her and in her presence that I knew I wanted to marry her. What are you saying? It's when you get in the presence of God, you begin to know Him for who He is, not what He does. You've got to know Him. My Lord. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It's not Allah. It's not Muhammad. It's not Buddha. It is Jehovah God. Elohim. My Lord, this gets so good right here. Know that the Lord himself is God. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. Now I could preach a lot of directions right here. He formed you in his image and his likeness. He formed you in your mother's womb. And before he did, he knew you. That's scripture. So what does it say? Look at what it says. It is he, God, who has made us and not we ourselves. I'm a self-made man. No, you're not. I'm a self-made millionaire. No, you're not. You only do what you do because God's blessed you. You see, so many times our vision gets skewed. I accomplished this, and I did this, and I accomplished that, and I did that. I was able to do this. No, it is only through God that we are successful in anything and everything we do. Why? Because it is God who has made us and not we ourselves. I'll echo the words of Paul in Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But God, Christ living in me And the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith through the Son of God Who loved me and gave himself for me I don't belong to me anymore I belong to God Because I've been bought by the precious blood of Jesus I've been redeemed of the Lord He is my God I am his child He has made me I have not made myself And for that I'm grateful For that I'm thankful. What does this mean? You are not alone. Hello? You are not alone. I don't care if you live by yourself. You are not alone. There is a presence. We are not random mistakes. I've heard people say about babies, they were a mistake. Wasn't planning for that one. No, you may not have been, but God was. 
We are not random mistakes. You know why? Because God has made us. We, he doesn't make mistakes. There is someone who is in total and complete control. His name is God. There is a supreme divine being. We know him. Jehovah. <laughs> so, because we know he's God, because we understand he's made us and not we ourselves, then we should shout for joy that the Lord is God. We should worship the Lord with gladness. Be happy. I don't want to be around you if you're unhappy. Don't mean I don't love you. I don't want to be with you. I don't want it to rub off on me. Make people wonder what you're smiling about. Acknowledge the Lord is God. Why? Because He is God. Whew. I didn't got much more. I'm almost done. Let's, let's, let's read. Know that the Lord Himself is God. It is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people. The sheep of His pasture. I'm going to preach right here. Now, I've never herded sheep. I've never watched over a flock of sheep. But through my study of the Scripture and through my understanding of sheep herding, through my reading of what happens, let me see if I can get this right. We are His sheep, or we are His people, and the sheep of his pasture. Let me, let me do what I, I just feel like I want to do right here. Is this all right? Let me, let me just let me just come down here. Notice the terminology. We, who's we? Everybody raise your hand. We are his, capitalized, God's people, and the sheep of his pasture. The first thing I want you to notice is not the first part of that verse or that line. I don't want you to notice that we are his people. I'll get to that in a minute. I don't even want you to notice that we are his sheep. I want you to understand who the pasture belongs to. You're not wandering around here in your pasture. You're not wandering around here in your world. You're not wandering around here in your life. But you are the sheep of God's pasture. He owns the pasture. He owns the grass. He owns the substance. He owns everything that you have need of. All he wants you to do is sit around and graze. Listen, don't get mad at me when I say this because this is the absolute truth. But I didn't say we were sheep. The Word did. Sheep are some of the dumbest animals God ever created. Hello? Some of the dumbest animals that God ever created. And we're out here in this world trying to figure out, wringing our hands. I don't know how I'm going to make it. I don't know what I'm going to do. The problem is you've shifted your vision from vertical to horizontal. And you're trying to treat it like it's your world, like it's your life, like it's your business, like it's your job to figure it all out. But what the scripture tells me is that the pastor belongs to him. The world belongs to him. I belong to him. I don't have anything to figure out. All I 
need to do is be grateful and thankful that he is God. He is my God. I am his child and he'll take care of the rest. He'll take care of everything else. My God. We are his people. He's a good, good father. He takes care of his children. I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. My God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything the earth holds belongs to him. If you were the only one alive and he needed to bankrupt heaven, he would do it for you. Because you're his people. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture. And because we're his people, he is my provider, Jehovah Jireh. He is my Jehovah Nisi, the Lord who reigns in victory. He is my, my Prince of Peace, my Jehovah Shalom. You can walk in the midst of a turmoil in this world in peace. Not because you're looking at everything going on in the world, but because he's your God. And you're his people, the sheep of his pasture. Sheep are so dumb. I'm, I'm talking about the real sheep. Sheep are so dumb that they don't recognize the wolf when it comes in. But the shepherd does. I'm reminded of David. David killed a lion and a bear with his own bare hands. Listen, I'm just telling you, God's got you in his hand. We used to sing a very spiritual hymn when I was in children's church and a young boy in Sunday school growing up. We need to go back and sing it as adults. It's a very spiritual hymn. And the words of it go like this. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got you and me, brother, in his hands. He's got the little bitty baby in his hands. He's got you and me, sister, in his He's got the whole world in his hands. Let me get through. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Quit trying to figure it out. Just lay back in his arms. He's got it figured out. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Into his courts with praise. When you understand the first three verses, you can walk into the gates with thanksgiving. You can walk into his courts with praise. I don't care if everything is falling, around, falling down around you. I don't care if it feels like your life is in shambles. You can still praise God. You can still be thankful. Be thankful for his love is unfailing and it is continuous. Give thanks to the Lord. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His loving kindness is everlasting. His faithfulness to all generations. It didn't end with my great grandparents. It didn't end with my grandparents. It didn't end with my mom. But to all generations. It's not going to end with my generation. It's to my children and my children's children and my children's children's children and as to as many as are far off. God's love for us cannot and will not ever stop. It never stops. It never will. We should thank God that we are loved. We should thank God that He is totally and consistently wrapped up in us. Be thankful that the Lord's faithfulness never ends. He never changes. 
The things he said will never change. His promise of forgiveness through Jesus Christ is always true for everyone. His promise of eternal life through Christ Jesus is always true for everyone. And we should be thankful that he's always faithful. I want to challenge you today to make a fundamental change in your Thanksgiving this holiday season. Base your attitude of gratitude and your thanksgiving not on what God does for you, but who He is to you. Sometimes I feel like holidays are so commercialized and we go so wrapped up in the festivities and the family gatherings and the friends gatherings and the food that we eat that we fail to realize exactly what we have to be thankful for. I'm going to share this story. I normally share this at Christmas. And I think I might have shared it last Christmas, but there are those that wasn't here. But I want to share it now. When we served in Midland, Texas, I was doing a long-term sub-job for a school there, and I was teaching fifth grade. And it was the last day before the Christmas break of two weeks. And I had a student that was placed in my class who was placed in the fifth grade because he didn't know how to read. He didn't know how to write. He didn't even have a second grade education. But because of his age, fifth grade was the lowest grade they could place him in. So he was really should have been in junior high. He knew how to write a name that he went by and his handwriting was so... He struggled with it so much that it looked like a first or second grader's handwriting. And so we come to the half day of Friday before the Christmas holidays. And, of course, we had a Christmas party planned. Not going to be much work done. Just going to be a day of celebration before we get out for the two-week break. And as school is beginning, the kids are running in. They're running up to the desk where I was at. And they're bringing me gift bag after gift bag and a gift wrap and a this and a that. And all these gifts. And I had three different classes that we, we rotated between. And so I had about 60 students. And it seemed like nearly every student that I taught was bringing me a gift. I had a table sitting over there that I was putting the gifts on. And I'll just tell you, I had to make like three trips out to my vehicle or more to get all of those in the vehicle and then all of those into the house. I mean, I was just overwhelmed with the gifts. But something happened that day. All of these kids are coming in with these beautiful gift bags wrapped, you know, with a ribbon tying the handles together, name tags appropriately placed. Very nice gifts. Matter of fact, I got a thermal mug that I still drink coffee out of today. I'm talking about some expensive gifts. But in the midst, Brother Mike, of all of those gifts being brought to me, this young man who lived in a boy's home that didn't even have a second grade education come running up to my desk with just a candy cane in his hand. 
And he said, here you go. And I took that candy cane and I stood there staring at that candy cane. I, I zoned out for just a moment. Because I was moved. So deeply. By his willingness, one, to give. That it caused me to be thankful for just a candy cane. Now you may not like what I'm about to tell you. But that was in December of 2018. Next month will be five years that's happened. I still have that very candy cane that child gave me. It serves as a constant reminder. You may not live in your own house. You may not live with your own family. You may not have the warmth and the love of a family. You may not have the warmth and the love of a home that belongs to you or your own bedroom. But it doesn't change the fact that you have something to be grateful for. You have something to be thankful for. I look across this congregation and we are blessed. We are a blessed people. But if I'm honest and you're honest, we're guilty at times of taking some things for granted. But can I just tell you today... Maybe somebody needs to just give you a candy cane to help you to realize it's not all about what I amass in possessions and material things. But sometimes it's just a heart to say with everything I don't have, this young boy still found something to give. My God. the saddest days I ever experienced was when the administration come down to my room and they informed me that this young man and his siblings were now being moved from that boy's home to a place closer to Dallas. I wept. Because I'm going to tell you something. I don't know what the purpose was for that child being in my room. I had to do work with him one-on-one. -on -one. I tried to teach him something, but it was a struggle every day he was there. But I'm here to tell you something right here and now. I don't care how much you think of me right now. I don't care how much, you, how much respect or how big you think I am because I'm the pastor or whatever. But I'm going to tell you something. I may have not have taught that child anything in all the time he was with me. But he taught me something. He taught me a lesson that has stayed with me for five years. I'm still talking about it today. I don't know where he's at. I don't know what his life's like today. But I can tell you because God allowed that child to come through my path, my life was changed. My life was different. Don't ever discount somebody because of their past or where their upbringing was or what they've been through. Don't ever discount somebody because they didn't have it as good as you did or I did or somebody else did. I'm telling you, we are all His people and the sheep 
of his pasture. And if I've ever learned anything in 2018 from that young man, it was that no matter how little I have, I still have something to be thankful for. Stand with me all over this house.